welcome to Life Pairings, where two Canadian alcohol connoisseurs mix life events and libations. Hello, I'm Carla Richards. And I'm Brittany Lysing. And, and this, this is Life, life pairings. pairings. Because life is hard. So mix it with alcohol. <laughs> I forgot what I forgot pair what it was. Pair, pair, <laughs> pair it with alcohol. You're like it's called light pairing. <laughs> That's what our it's written on everything I've given you. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello. Got my lunch packed up. My boots tied tight. I hope I don't get in a fight because today's light pairing is back to school with tequila sunrise. We're talking lunch bags, boots tied tight, <laughs> and sunrises. That's what happens when I don't prepare what to say. Right, I just copy sorry. what Carla said. Well, I wanted to sing a song. <laughs> That's the song from Billy Madison. <laughs> yeah. And I love that song. That was uh, repeated in our house a lot. Ah, uh, yes. That's my favorite. So what does uh, going back to school mean to you? You know what? It means a lot because... I still frame September as back to school in my mind, regardless of mm-hmm. the fact that I haven't been in school since I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to trade school. That was at night <laughs> to learn right. how to build elevators. That was very <laughs> different. Uh, but I haven't been, I haven't been in a, like a class proper classroom since I was 18, mm-hmm. like sit down, learn, go to school. But everything is still framed around September for me. Like we start, yeah. we're here in, uh, Alberta we start school at uh September and we finish around June and that's the school year to me it's like okay it's back to school so like I I frame like you know diet and exercise around like oh it's the summer oh back to school gotta get back in shape it's like it's like you know something new year's it's like a new September is like the new year to me like I don't even consider like when it's like January it's the new year I'm like this isn't a new start to anything we just had Christmas got drunk and now we're going back to the same old shit (laughs) Like September yeah, is the time. So, but when I used to go back to school, it was like a big ordeal. We uh, we always get to go pick out one new outfit, and you got to pick nice. out you know new school supplies. And I'm like a geek for like I'm like ooh new markers. Mm-hmm. And I can remember one year being so excited because I went down at Payless and I got pump up shoes, black and red pump up oh. shoes. And I had this like a Michael Jordan obsession and Chicago Bulls obsession at the time. Mm-hmm. And my cousin had handed me down like a pullover starter Bulls jacket. Oh, oh nice. yeah. It was fresh. So I had like You're my rocking. starter jacket. I, I looked like a little boy, like the Lord intended. <laughs> and I had my little pump up shoes and my like, I had Bulls everything. I felt like every year I was like nice. really into something and my clothing reflected yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. School for me, I don't know. I, I've been, when did I finish school? Probably 2008. Because I did a very slow ramp up to university and then went to university as an as a older student. But yeah, n- notebooks. That's my big thing, notebooks. And it's great because as an adult, you can buy them anytime, which is also a problem. And now I have an entire drawer of notebooks. Oh God, I love I loves me a moleskin. I love me a legal <laughs> pad. I love me. Oh, yeah, so good. Um, but it's also a weird time for me. Um, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I think I sort of do think of it as like a, a refresh time, 
but I also get very sad and depressed because generally September means, you know, end of summer, end of sun. Even as much as I didn't like school, mm-hmm. I loved starting school. Right. Like, well, it's a new start, you know, maybe you'll meet, meet some new people. Or you, just, or you see your friends that you like. I like. I had a great group of friends growing up, so I just was like, "Yeah." You go back to school, and that first like month is really just like, "Okay, what are you in the new courses? What are this this? But what did all my friends do? And what are they? You know, what are yeah. they taking? What are they doing? What are they wearing? I was always concerned. <laughs> what are people wearing at this school? I was, you know, what the actual academic part of school was. <laughs> I focused the very least on. <laughs> I think that's most kids. I definitely, uh, so I didn't really have, I had an ever changing group of friends. I was much more of a loner. So yeah, I was much more concerned on the social aspects of school than uh, the actual learning anything. And I was not very good at school. So yeah, I was not good at school. (laughs) But now I'm an amateur historian. (laughs) I know. I'm like, now I'm a comedian. I, uh, (laughs) My school existence is like perfectly reflective of my choices now in life. Like, like now, like if somebody was just like, "Hey, what did you become?" Like when I was an elevator mechanic, I'm like an elevator mechanic. They're like, "Wow, that's really interesting. I could never see you doing that." Mm-hmm. And then when I'm like, "I quit my job. I don't have any money, and I'm a comedian," they're like, "Yeah, that fits actually." Because <laughs> yeah. like every element of school is just me being like. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do work. I only want to work one hour a day. Like, if you got me to come in and told me I had to, like, finish shit in two hours, mm. I probably would have been pretty productive. Right. But you're like, you have to be here at eight in the morning, which I was like, and no thank you. Yeah. And then they were like, also, you have to be here till three. I was like, you guys are kind of butchering the best part of the day. <laughs> There's no nap time? <laughs> which I've learned that I'm just, like, bet- I'm a better person post 9 a.m. Yeah. That's what school was to me. It was very just like by the second month, I was like, okay, enough is enough. And now we're going back into a very weird time because (laughs) of COVID and we're sending all the kids back. I assume this is some kind of experiment. Yeah. I mean, that's what this is. This is truly an experiment because no one knows what the, no one knows what the repercussions are. So they're just like, I don't know, send the kids in. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh. sending children back to school right now uh, defies every single thing they told us not to do. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. sit in groups. So they're like, what? Okay, now you got to sit two meters apart. Each kid? Yeah. There's 30 kids in a classroom and a teacher. And they're like, don't lick people. Don't oh, my lick God. surfaces. That's all children do. They just lick surfaces. They just lick surfaces. Dude, even in high school. <laughs> I was, like, making some questionable choices with my mouth. So I yeah. just don't think that we should leave the fate of a pandemic up to, like, <laughs> uncontrolled children. And a poor teacher. Like, as if we don't put enough no, on the teachers in our society. Now we're like, hey, you're in charge of what they do all the time. And if somebody gets sick, it's your fault. Yeah. And if you get sick, too bad. Yeah. Yeah weird situation i remember paying somebody to they were like or somebody paying me they're like i'll give you five bucks if you lick the gym floor (laughs) and all my in my head i was like that's a poutine from the cafeteria and it's one millisecond of a licking a floor oh yeah and you know kids are gonna be running around going i'm the corona monster and 
sneezing jokingly on their friends for fun. There is going to be a boy who's <laughs> licking people's faces. <laughs> and he's going to be like, what? <laughs> Don't be such a nerd. And then everyone's going to be like, there's going to be a licking fad. Yeah. That goes on. There was like a biting, there was like a biting pandemic one year, I remember. Right. Actually, you want to know something? Now that I recall, now that I said that, that didn't happen mm-hmm. in school. That happened mm-hmm. at Pizza Hut. I worked at Pizza Hut. <laughs> I was 15 years old, and we all used to bite each other. Right. That was like, and it was so funny to us. Yeah. So that, okay, that was when I was like, yep, that was from 15, 15 to 18. So, yeah. The biting lasted all three years. Yeah. Well, maybe we should donate a lot of vodka to the par- like to the teachers. That's why. So, <laughs> at least they're drunk the whole time, and maybe that will help, you know, keep oh. them safe. Okay, you know what? <laughs> there are two groups of people that I would like to thank going into this mm-hmm. school startup. Number one, the moms. The moms mm-hmm. holding it mm-hmm. down. The dads. <laughs> the dads are pretty good, but they're mostly just like, so what time does school start? You packing those kids' lunches? That's mostly dads. Oh, I don't know. Dads now. They're they're fully involved. They're involved. Oh boy. I uh <laughs> well like our time. Yeah. No, my dad was like, uh he's like, yeah, he just knew he paid for everything that went into the lunch and he yeah. just hoped it was packed with care. <laughs> and my mom used to slip love notes in there. So it was. They're <laughs> they were very nice mamas and papas. But yeah, like the moms like being getting the kids to school right now and like you know what it's like i I read into it all into just like without corona without the, all of right. this shit going on just right. the psychology of going back to school is mm-hmm. so daunting to right. people like it, it yeah. there is like a great amount of anxiety around it and that's something i maybe mm-hmm. i didn't mention i i was overly anxious about it too i mean i don't yeah. know if it was for the right reasons but it certainly was like you know it was like i was like oh god Anytime I start something new, I'm, like, in a world of uh, anxiety. Yeah. I do wonder if, like, I have trained depression and anxiety that gets worse in September just because I spent my first formative years being anxious and depressed about going back to school. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's what really I'm what it is. That. Like, I, I, the happy, the sad, the melancholy feelings is all these just like, oh God, I should be doing something. Oh God, I'm mm-hmm. not doing enough. Oh God, it mm-hmm. started. Yeah. I still have a, a September anxiety dream. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, me too. I have reoccurring dreams that happen all year long. And when I'm stressed out is that I am in high school again and yeah. I'm desperately trying to speak to the guidance counselor to try and right. figure out what my courses are because nobody gave me a schedule. Right. And then I can't, I have... I can't find the class. So I'm yeah. like, they're like, you're supposed to be in this classroom. So I go class to class. And then I'm like, I don't know. This isn't it. And then I finally find the class and they, I sit down. It's the end of the year and they hand me a test. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's not like, it's so significant in my mind that I, like, missed the whole thing and didn't do any of it. Right. And, uh, yeah, so that's, like, major, major anxiety. So, like, going through all of, like, the psychology of going back to school, it's mostly anxiety-ridden. Right. Like, it's... Well, it's a change of... It's a total change in your um, 
routine too, right? Well, yeah. Which is not great for kids. Well, and you're kind of just like, it's it's a total change in routine. So that's what they were saying, actually, is like restart your routine uh, a mm-hmm. couple of weeks before school starts. Don't just like slam your kid into it. Right. Like restart the routine. This might mean going to bed at a regular time or waking up uh, as early as they would for school. Like even if it's like a week out, like, hey, just like start instead of getting letting them get up at 11, like, you know, get up at eight. Have some yeah. breakfast, start, and then, like, get, build excitement towards it. Start organizing backpacks and binders and school supplies, you know? Yeah. Like, that was, like, a big, that was a big, like, uh, thing for us was, like, oh, yeah, I gotta write your name on all your stuff and <laughs> put all your dividers and all your binders and, like, mm-hmm. you know, I doodled on everything. <laughs> um, I didn't know you were a doodler. Buddy, I'm a doodler from way back. Wow. Before it was cool? Before, I guess. <laughs> One thing is they, they say, too, though, is, like, kids are, like, pretty easy at um, changes. Like, most yeah. kids, they're, they're capable of coping with change. And it's it's really just a matter of just getting them into that, getting them over the hump for a few, you know, a few days. One of the, Another mm-hmm. thing they suggested, too, was, like, if you're a family in a new if you're a family in a new neighborhood or something, like you just moved right. in somewhere and you're starting a new school, not just starting school, mm-hmm. is like get to know the kids in the neighborhood because your neighbors are probably going to the same school. Right. So like, yeah. you know, if you if you have young kids and stuff like that, organize a few play dates or like ha- get a chance to talk to the neighbors. Just say like, hey, like this is Riley next door and he's going to the same school as you. Like maybe you guys can walk together or, you know. That's good. That's a very good idea. I can't even imagine being yeah i never had to do that new kid in new kid in school my friends just moved into a new neighborhood and like immediately the neighbor's kids like they they're already sort of being like hey they're gonna be going to the same school this is really exciting they're the same age and like it was kind of a nice thing i think because it was it was something that i was like oh you know like communities still do exist and and like our generation is like capable of not hiding (laughs) away and playing video games in the basement like it's nice to know what we have a we're a generation of uh, of people that grew up that can knock on a door still. Right. And just yeah. say like, "Hey, would your kids like to come play next door?" or, you know. Aww. So that that was a big thing. Uh, another thing too is just like talking to your kids. Talk asking kids about their fears and worries about going back to school and just like sort of help share their burden because they are very nervous. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, "Hey, like let's figure it out. Why are you nervous? Why are you worried?" you know, like let's uh let's let's figure it out together and then just empathize with them and uh yeah get try try your best to get involved and 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 encourage them to ask for help when they are uh, when they're nervous or scared so it's mostly just like you know it's mostly just figuring out what it is they need or you know some kids go back to school they could give a fuck they're like all right woohoo yeah but i know i know in our in our house as much excitement as there was there was always that much anxiety as well mm-hmm. yeah okay. so yeah so that is the psychology of going back to school. It's so not great, but it could be. Okay. Well, it is though. It's it's good because you cope with it, you know, like and right. and you and you um realize that things are manageable. Right. Okay. But yeah. it's just okay. it's all about it's all about like figuring out what kind of what kind of kids you got cuz everybody's so different and everybody's looking for uh you know, everyone just wants to fit in and go to school and feel good so the it's just about trying to figure that process out mm-hmm. yeah interesting 
Um, so I've got a historical, this is not a story, this is a historical genocide, Oh, okay. you know, for our comedy podcast. Hey, we, as, as time seems to pass, comedy's turned into what we can only describe, like 2020 has just urged us to, to maybe look into things a little bit deeper. So I think that as much as things can be fun, sometimes it's, it's nice to look at these so sobering events of the, yeah. So I'm going to talk about residential schools, which is something that happened in Canada. Um, it was based on an American system that you don't really hear about the American one. And to be fair, like I didn't know, I didn't hear about this until I was at a school. We did not learn about it in school. Yeah, we did learn about it, but also I went to a Catholic school, so they were like not very forthcoming about what it was. Oh right. <laughs> um, I have a Métis background, yeah. and my um relatives and ancestors told me a little bit about what had happened and and it just like didn't really match up with mm -hmm. what they were teaching us in school um being from a catholic school they basically right. were like yeah well we took all these kids and educated them and uh that is not what happened mm -hmm. no that's not what happened um, I found out about it first time, I think when we were at the Glenbow Museum when I was an older teenager and my dad said, oh, we don't talk about residential schools in right. the house because his mother had worked in one and because she had never seen any abuse, that was the end of that conversation. So unfortunately I would have liked to get to know more about that from that personal, but they're both have passed away. So I couldn't ask them, but I did find a bunch of information on UBC's Indigenous Foundation. Uh, Behind the Bastards podcast did a really good episode on this. CBC has tons of information on this. Um, so basically, this was these schools were set up by the Canadian government, and they were administered by churches, both Anglican churches and uh, Catholic churches, okay. which I didn't know. I thought it was all Catholic. This was meant to assimilate Indigenous Canadians into the Euro-Canadian and Christian ways. So... It's kind of always said, like, take the Indian out of it. This started in 18, the 1880s and went up until 1996. Jeez, 19 what? 1996. Do you know what year Billy Madison came out? <sighs> no. 1995. So Billy Madison, the movie, was before they closed the residential school. I went to I went to Bishop Grandin here in um in Calgary, and I have a quote for you from Bishop Grandin. Oh, okay. Um, uh, this is the goal of the residential school. Mm. We instill in them a pronounced distaste for native life, so they will be humiliated when they are reminded of their origin. When they graduate from our institutions, the children have lost everything ex native except for their blood. That was Bishop Grandin, 1875. Nice. And that was the high school I went to. So real cool, Grandin. Real cool. Yeah, yeah this was, the whole thing was largely what they were trying to do was a land grab. So they had taken um, all the indigenous people and they would put them on reserves and said like, okay, we're going to take the rest of Canada. Uh, and you guys just have to live on these reserves. And then they found out, oh, wait a second. There's like mining on those reserves or there's, you know, there's natural resources that we want to use on those reserves. So we kind of need you to not be on those reserves anymore. If you become Canadian and like renounce your 
uh, indigenous background, then you can move off the reserves and we can maybe like come in and, you know, do some business. They're like, so, they're like, it's not, we are Canadian and it's not called Canada. It's called Turtle Island, you fucks. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's kind of, I think, what was the big, big picture of all of this. I think on the smaller scale, I'm sure there were people that were just, they, that's the way that they thought would help people. I don't, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the thing was, is that you had to be separated from your family and you were forced to not acknowledge your culture or your language. You couldn't speak in your language. You couldn't wear um, any of your cultural clothing or um, even your hair long. Um, and this all started with Johnny McDonald, who <laughs> just recently got his, uh, his statue pulled down. I saw that. Good. Because he thought, quote, when the school is on the reserve, the child lives with its parents, who are savages. And though he may learn to read and write, his habits and training mode of thought are Indian. He is simply a savage who can read and write. So take that fucking statue down and beat it to the shit. Yeah, and beat I... it to death. Yeah. Take him off the $5 fucking bill as well. While you're at it. <sighs> we have better Canadians. We have a lot. <laughs> like Louis Riel. Why don't you put him on the $5 bill? Mm -hmm. Um, so school life. So they would be taken as children. Um, like I said, they couldn't be educated on the reserves because God forbid they keep their own culture. And then they wouldn't, they might not be, when they're older, they might not want to move to the cities. They might not want to, you know, be part of the Euro Canadian culture, God forbid. And this didn't make the government very happy. They uh, built these industrial boarding schools, seeing it that, and the reason that the, I'm still kind of confused as to why they picked the churches to be managing them, but I guess that, you know, that was the time. Um, because church and state has never it, really been separated? Yeah, I guess so, especially back then. In 1920, um, it, so this started in the 1880s, uh, in 1920 it became mandatory for all Indigenous children to go to a residential school and illegal for them to go to, excuse me, a quote, normal school, unquote. Um, so yeah, so you basically were having children kidnapped from their families and mandatorily putting them in these, uh, in these schools. And the Anglicans and the Catholics would like come to reservations and they would compete for students to join their school. So whether they would like try to get the parents to be like, oh, you should go to that like Anglican, uh, industrial <laughs> school versus the Catholic industrial school. Very, very strange. So they would cut their hair short. They had to wear uniforms. The boys and girls were kept separate. That mean, meant including siblings. So many kids grew up without getting to see obviously their families or their siblings. Um, punishment for speaking in their native tongue was generally dealt with physical violence, including locking them in cellars hitting them, needles shoved in their tongues, being shackled to beds if they tried to escape, which was obviously common because kids would want to go back to their families. Yeah. Uh, they would be put in a cellar for a long period, including days, and they had, like some had just like prison cells. Yeah. So, real, real great. Um, they did not receive the same education as white schools. 
they were taught only practical school skills so that they could be part of the sort of more blue collar lower class. So a lot of, you know, labor intensive jobs. Um, and in fact, they actually had half a day of classes and then would work the rest of the day as unpaid labor to pay for the so school. So slavery is essentially what was happening. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And by the age of 18, most had only a grade five education and were dissuaded from pursuing a higher education. I mean, some people in the Indigenous community saw this as an opportunity for their children, and some would hide their children so that the RCMP would not take them away. Because that's who was doing it. The RCMP was coming and taking the children to school. So not good RCMP. Not good. Can you repeat that? Sorry. Uh, yeah, so the RCMP would be the ones that would take the children from their homes and put them in the school. So the police essentially showed up to your home, mm-hmm. uh, kidnapped, for lack of a better term, yeah. mm-hmm. and then dropped you off at a school to get abused by the clergy and the government officials. That is correct. Okay, I just yes. wanted to make sure that that was just as plain as day as it, as it, as it was written. Um Mm-hmm. And I think this is a newer thing that's just come out very recently about what the RCMP were doing. And it's it's still very, we're still really finding out how deeply they were involved. Well, that's the thing. Like right now, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going around that it's like defund the police and defund. These are, exa- they don't mean we don't need police. Yeah. They mean like, hey, here's some fun examples of what happens when the police aren't necessarily on your side. Exactly. Here, yeah. here are some examples of what happens when somebody is just uh, has total authority over what mm-hmm. you do, and it's not for your good. So, for people who are like, "Well, yeah. they just come to my door and answer my distress call when the neighbor's having a party that's too loud, and that party would go on all night long if the police weren't here," and it's like, "Yeah, yeah. for you, but for yeah. other people, they came and got their kids and stole yeah. them." So, so, so yeah. it's not, you know, it's not just, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad all this stuff is coming to light and I'm glad that people see mm-hmm. what it, what it is, but it is just, it's horrendous when you line up the examples of the, the distrust that, um, uh, people of minorities feel towards, uh, the police and, and the people in charge because they weren't really that nice to them. Yeah. And this is mandated by the government too, right? And this is, this is. Um, you know, using a, a systemic racism ideology and then getting the, like, the, you're getting your police force to enforce it. So the whole thing is very, obviously, very problematic. Um, so school, some of the schools were year-round, some were 10 months. All letters written home had to be in English because, uh, you know, obviously they're all sort of it's like how do the people understand them if they don't speak english that's that's exactly it so many of their parents couldn't speak english so they wouldn't be able to read their own kids letters um so this is a thing that's going to be a little controversial i'm sure in my family um because my grandmother taught at one of these that it said that many of the teachers were uneducated and they were not the usual teacher standards um some didn't graduate from high school so the quality of education was not good now the issue is some of these are nuns and some of these are just uh lay people right 
obviously a lot of females. So this is kind of where it's it's this that's not so black and white thing because right. this would have been a lot of people's and let's just say white women's opportunity to have a job right. which generally you wouldn't be able to have. Um so they were put into these positions. I'm not saying I'm not defending that, you know, all of them were great. But no, you know, but you know what um, they did they pre- they preyed upon everybody's weakness. So not only mm-hmm. were they um subjecting an entire group of people or many groups of people to racist and abusive and and horrific behavior they were also using their own like the weakest people in their own kind you know their own group of people which were women at the time Mm -hmm. so they're basically Mm -hmm. preying on people like hey like normally you wouldn't have a job but there's a pretty good opportunity so we're gonna let you go out there and do this so like you know, well, no one is innocent, but, you know, in the running of this, because, you know, like, what, nobody spoke up? Not one person was like, hey, wait a fucking hot sec. Yeah. Um, But, you know, people, that's exactly what the system did. It, it preyed on people who would need that opportunity. So it's like, it, yeah. if that's what they were doing, if they were offering it to unqualified people, that they they yeah. were basically dangling uh dangling a mouse in front of them being like hey mm-hmm. and uh so there was a nun at a one of the residential schools rose salmons and she said we certainly didn't have any training for dealing with children who were taken from their homes and who really needed love uh she said that 12 nuns teaching at uh shubik 80 were barred in writing from showing love to a child Jeez. So even if they, you know, did want to change the way that they were treating these kids, they were not allowed and, you know, would have lost their jobs. And yeah, so you're you're right. Like it's, they just took advantage of everybody. We kind of, I think generally we are taught that this is something that happened, you know, in the early 19th or 20th century, late 19th century. That's not true. So in 1972, Sue Caribou, who was age seven, was put into a residential school. She would put in a cold shower every night, sometimes after being raped. And this was in Manitoba. Um, At that time, it was the RCMP that would have been the ones to take them from their homes to their school. Um, 2,000 people later have sued the Canadian government for sexual abuse. Um, And also in the 1960s, uh, children were taken from their families by social workers. And this is specifically called the 60s scoop. So the the effects of this, so here's some very depressing uh, stats. So in 1907, an inspector said that 24% of the time in Canada when an Indigenous child died, it was at a residential school. So one in four. Um, But that was, most of the time, children were actually sent home if they were deathly ill so that it wouldn't show up on the government books. Of course, yeah. So that's not even the right number. Um, Between 47% and 75% of discharged Indigenous students died immediately after coming home. Oh my god. So it was like they were being malnourished and... Yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, speaking of malnourished, um, they found out that they were doing... um, uh, using them as test subjects. What? to see you know what what uh 
what um, not vitamins, but like what they could use on kids that have malnutrition, who are malnutrition. So they were purposely starving them to see if they could bring yeah. them back to life, like an experiment. Yeah, yeah. Um, the minimum level of death reported is thirty two hundred, but they think it's more likely it was up to six thousand. The Canadian government stopped reporting deaths in the nineteen twenties, so that's not. So that number is not correct at all. Um, the other thing is, is that they would bury them in mass graves, especially if the disease swept through the school. So what they're finding now is a lot of schools have these mass graves. And these obviously numbers wouldn't be reported. Um, later, um, I mean, people were still dying up until the 1970s, and then that does not count the people who committed suicide after they were out of school. And we have a very, very high suicide rate in Canada in Indigenous people, specifically Indigenous males. Um, and I think this obviously is a massive cause of that. Right. So in the by the 2000s, Thousands of students uh, had sued the government, and in 2008, they started the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which called this a genocide. Now, Stephen Harper, our Prime Minister at the time, apologized, but he wouldn't admit to it to being a genocide. Uh, $1.6 billion had been awarded to former students. Good. Which is very good. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's still That doesn't make up, that doesn't make in, up for things. Like, no, and that's it like, you know, people want to argue money. It's like, it doesn't make it up anyways. It's like, no. it's like, no. what? That's just like the only solution our society is somehow comfortable with is retribution. But the, the fact of the matter is, is like, it caused generations of, of, um, you know, generations of. Well, people lost, even if you look at it from a cultural standpoint, we lost all those, a lot of the languages of indigenous people. Yeah, because people. there's. There's um, like hundreds of thousands because it's the every mm-hmm. indigenous uh, tribe speaks their own language, so yeah. you're losing you're losing languages, you're losing history. Uh, most importantly, you're losing people. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. It's just so. Yeah, I'm glad you. You know what? This is an uncomfortable discussion, and I hope it is because mm-hmm. I, I'm glad that you brought this up because like, you know we don't we discuss like new pencil cases and. <laughs> and but, but you know that's our truth and that's 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 us being honest with what the experience was for us but you know it the truth yeah. of the matter is is this is what the experience was for people for a very yeah. long time and, and people don't talk about it and it's like okay well if you don't talk about it then you don't know what's going on and exactly. then you can claim yeah. ignorance like it's like well i didn't really know that was happening well yeah because because like you said like oh we don't you know like your family's like well that was the end of discussion you know, my family is mm-hmm. AT, and so um, it would have been generations back that would have been in the residential schools. But mm-hmm. I even spoke to it about my own mother, and she was like, well, that didn't happen. That was like a really long time ago. And I remember saying this when I was a kid, and she was like, it was like, that was so long ago, Brittany. And I was like, it was not. Yeah, so obviously, like, probably it was still going on at that time. I don't think that most people knew that the last school closed in 1990. Well, that's the thing, too, is like, I mean, I, in my family, they succeeded. They, they did wipe out the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I am now. It's now not a, a lot of left in me, and it's barely yeah. even talked about anymore. And you have to bring it up, and I have to look at old books, and 
we do have we do have you know like you know some records of stuff and and you know of our grandfathers and great-grandfathers and where we lived and and what life was like but it's it's very little so you know like i read some mm-hmm. of this, that quote specifically from bishop grant and that you know mm-hmm. because it's just like well here i am generations later mm-hmm. and it he's done exactly what he said he was gonna do so yeah, yeah i mean i it is it is you know, the stuff is hard to hear and hard to talk about. But if we're going to talk about yeah. going back to school, I think it is important that people know, like, yeah, well, this was what going back to school gonna... meant for some people. Yeah. And it's, this is not over. Um, on This was in CBC June 25th of this year, 2020. Jason Kenney, who is the... Um... Worst premier ever. <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought we were playing Mad <laughs> I was to put it... Sorry, yeah. He's Alberta's premier. So for non-Canadians, that's basically like he runs the Alberta province, the, the state. Uh, he His speechwriter wrote an article on a calling the residential schools a bogus genocidal story. So, <laughs> so this is Paul. That's essentially the equivalent of being like, I mean, certainly not, I mean, numbers, but I mean, mm. like a Holocaust de- denier. Denier, yeah. That's basically yeah. what that is. It's like, well, no, we have the numbers, yeah. we have the graves, we have the people, we have the stories, and we have a lot of people saying, nah, never happened. Yeah. And this, so this was Paul, um, I think it's called Butter, I think his last name is pronounced. Um, Paul, B-U-N-N-E-R, if you would like to write to Jason Kenny and ask him these questions. I mean, he, so this is one of the, the things that we kind of have, I think we're struggling with right now is, what do you do in that situation? Do you just fire him then? Um, and instead, they actually did get him to meet with Indigenous leader Chief Wilton Littlechild, who's one of the leaders of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. They sat and talked for three hours. Um, now, I don't know what the result was of that. Like, if this Paul guy was like, oh, okay, I'm now, I, I have more information and now I understand, or if he's, you know, just an asshole. So, right. Um, that's one of the things I think is, is a better way than dealing with rather than cancel culture. But if he still has that opinion and you've learned all the information, then yeah, you should get rid of him. Yeah. I mean, if that's, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not in a position to say what people should or shouldn't do, but you know, mm-hmm. that's not somebody I want. Um, <laughs> that's not someone I want representing. That's not who I am. That's not no. what my vote went towards. So it, it's very like, no. okay, well, those are the people you surround. It, politics isn't just, you know, like necessarily like the puppet in charge. It's the people they mm-hmm. surround themselves with and the, the people all behind mm-hmm. them. So if if that's a competency level of the, um, if the, the folks surround him yeah. mirrored by his competency level, then that's, <laughs> that's, problematic. that's problematic to me. Yeah. But, so that's residential schools. Well, that in a very brief, brief, brief kind of. Over. Well, thank you, Carla. I think that was important. Um, there's mm-hmm. also right now there's a course online, and this is put uh, offered by the University of Alberta called Indigenous Canada, and it is taught by uh, Tracy Bear, mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Tracy Bear, uh, and Doctor Paul uh, uh, Garrow who's the assistant professor as well so it's a it's just a a dan levy uh made from schitt's creek Creek. 
and other Canadian fame is uh, he's he's mentioned this a few times on his Instagram, and there's like you know like a hundred thousand people enrolled in this course, uh, sort of under his. He was like, hey, here's a thing that we could all do to do this together. So I enrolled in this course as well. Learn a b- little bit about my own roots. Learn a little bit about um, Indigenous Canada. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, that's available at the university of alberta.com and you can just you you can just literally type in university of alberta.com indigenous canada and the course will come up and you can audit the course for free yeah so if you'd like to learn a little bit more about this country and and uh people's experiences i highly recommend it Mm -hmm. and i think also um one thing i came across i was looking for books on this and a lot of the books are for school children so a lot of kids' books have been written about this. So if you have kids at home, this is a hard topic to talk about, but I think there's quite a few books that will, you know, that are more fitted to them to explain it. So. Fantastic. Well, that's, uh, thank you very much for that. Are you going to take us into a little light, more lighthearted news story? <laughs> it's not that much lighthearted to tell you that. <laughs> I, I, I can be honest with you, it's just hard to find, um, it's hard to find lightheartedness. Um, <laughs> in 2020 it's like mm-hmm. it's like we, we even 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 sometimes I feel like when we um talk about the drink like we're gonna like ease into the drink after all of this sometimes yeah. I feel like it's a little distasteful because I'm just like but it's also just like listen like this started off as like a really light-hearted idea and podcast and now we're just like every time we try to do something we're just like this has a horrendous backstory that would be very yeah. irresponsible not to bring back so it is very just like um, everything I look up is just a little like heart wrenching right now. The uh, yeah. <laughs> Ontario, uh, there's like mm-hmm. four teachers unions currently suing uh, Doug Ford. <laughs> yeah, uh, Doug Ford, for those who maybe don't know, is the brother of Rock uh, Ford <laughs> of crack cocaine uh, fame. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's he's not great. <laughs> He's like a slightly <laughs> better version of Rob Ford, and not that much. And he's the premier of Ontario. He's the premier of Ontario. So the teachers' union of Ontario, which is actually one of the biggest, uh, the teachers' union in Ontario is like a pretty huge union. I think one of the largest mm-hmm. unions in Canada. And they are. It's there's an escalate. So I'll just read you uh, the article right out of CTV News, baby. Mm. Out of Toronto, an escalating conflict between Premier Doug Ford's government and four major teachers unions is headed to the province labor board as the union alleges Ontario school reporting plan violates its own workplace safety laws. So the unions which represent 190,000 teachers and educated wor- education workers uh, said Monday morning that they all plan to file complaints after meeting with the Ontario government failed to and they had failed to address their concerns last week. The association does. Oh my God, my French is just pitiful. <laughs> Good luck. Des Jeanettes et des Jeanettes Franco Ontarians. <laughs> which I believe uh-huh. is the okay. Association of Teachers and the French so French Ontario Association of Teachers. Uh, mm-hmm. The Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario 
the Ontario English Catholic Teachers Association and the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation all allege that the school's reporting plan does not take um, every responsible precaution to protect its workers from COVID-19. Here's a quote. Mm -hmm. No worker in the province of Ontario should be expected to sacrifice their health and safety, especially when there are such obvious measures the government could be taking to reduce the risk and prevent potential tragedies. So what's happening is everyone's going back to school in and amongst a pandemic. And like we like so casually joked about at the beginning, (laughs) uh, nothing is safe. And they're essentially saying like it wasn't safe to do any of these things nothing's changed and now it's all safe so well i think the the big problem is is like so if you work in an office there's a certain rule that you have to follow for while we're in this crisis and uh specifically on sunday the alberta government said that you don't need to have uh, social distancing no in school yep that's essentially what the Ontario government is saying as well uh, yeah so you're basically holding like office workers to one standard and then teachers and basically just being like, we're just going to drop kick you into this, this shit storm. And good luck. Well, and I've been uh, on the TikTok, Carly, you know, the TikTok oh, for yes. kids. I don't yeah. mind it. It's pretty fun. It's actually not for the kids. You know what I've found lately? There's a lot more um, people of color. I'm finding a lot more, um, I, I find it, it's just like a lot more voices that I wouldn't normally get to yeah, hear. Yeah, you know what? That's true. Including people who are like in their 40s and people who are gay or people who have, um, there's one guy that has like a, a life-threatening disease on there. Like, it's very cool. Oh, there's an indigenous guy on there that does uh, from, he's from, um, uh, from Calgary? No, he's from down in the States, but he does, he talks about oh. being native and talks about uh, all the dances and. I think he's from Alberta. Is he, he actually? He was on the news the other day. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, that excites me. So. This is the same thing that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, if you're listening, I'm in love with you. And... <laughs> I think the whole world is in love with you. Oh, yeah, he was on um, the news the other day and when I was in Calgary. Um, yeah, but he talks about uh, being indigenous and he talks about being like his braids, what they mean, and he does a lot of dances and then he shows all the traditional dress and then he does like really funny sketch videos as well. Mm-hmm. So he's actually just fantastic. But uh, yeah. the TikTok was showing uh, that it was teachers and right. uh, the masks that they were given by the government. Oh, and yeah. they are pitiful. <laughs> it is something that I'm just like, oh, my God. It doesn't even stay on their faces. It's so embarrassing. Are these the ones that are also um, uh, leopard print? Oh, I didn't get a chance to see the leopard print ones, which I is think fun. there's also leopard print ones. <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to find this guy on TikTok. Sorry. I well, the guy that I follow is he's notorious Cree. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, James Jones. At at um, notorious so yeah, Cree, him on, and he's fantastic. On uh, TikTok, get him on TikTok. TikTok. It's fun. I mean, it's a you'll lose an hour of your life, if not more. Oh yeah. It's, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely, like, sucks you in, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of fun stuff on there. And actually, you know what? I found, like, a lot of restaurants in Calgary by watching oh. just Calgary people yeah. videos, like, going, like, I found this whole, like, uh, Tokyo marketplace, which is amazing. I found, like, four new ice cream places. <laughs> cool. But, yeah, so that was the that was the news story, and then I guess I should get into yeah. the drink. Yeah. Why? You picked the drink this week. I did pick the drink. Um. I picked back to school, and then I thought, what goes back to school? And then I thought, getting mm-hmm. up in the morning, 
And then I just thought of these poor moms <laughs> who are actually, dads. you know what? They, you know what? They're probably happy to get rid of oh, these bastards. I think especially if day. you're working they're... from home right now, I'm assuming that you're quite happy to send your children off to school. Yeah, they're probably excited. I mean, probably a little nervous, but I was thinking, oh man, they're going to be excited. They're going to have like three hours to themselves, <laughs> but to like get through the first couple of days, I thought it'd be funny to have sort of a a lighthearted yeah. drink mixed it's into all of it. as well. I took so a picture and we'll put... I did. I picked the tequila yeah. sunrise, which is, uh, for those of you that don't know, it's just, it's the easiest drink in the world to make. It's just tequila, orange juice, and a little mm-hmm. bit of grenadine yeah. over ice. And then some people put uh, maraschino cherries in there. Mm-hmm. Carla doesn't like those. <laughs> I like them a bunch. You should, do you want to explain how to make it? Because it is very important that you make it in a certain oh, okay. way. Okay, yeah. Uh, pour the tequila and the orange juice into a glass over ice and then pour the grenadine after. <laughs> right. And then it says... Because the grenadine has to... Well, it says it'll it sink to the, to the bottom. bottom. Don't it. stir it because then it fucks yeah. up the look of the drink. So, like, if you want to stir yeah. it after, you can. But yeah, but, but then it doesn't then look as look fun. Then it's not a sunrise. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's like the it's like red on the bottom, and then it like slowly mm-hmm. like um it there's like a gradient. It like it, it like it's like uh what is that called? Aubrey. Ombre, yeah. Aubrey. Yeah, it has like an ombre look to it. It comes from red, and then it just sort of like eases into the orange. So it's beautiful. It looks like the it truly looks like the sun is rising. Yeah. So yeah. So I <laughs> I picked that. The, uh, and the tequila sunrise, just a little bit of history on it. It was kind of a really big popular drink in the 70s and 80s. And then okay. it sort of just like took a dive onto like listings on paper diner menus and right. all inclusive yeah. swim vacation bars. That's basically. Yeah. yeah. I definitely associate this drink with, yeah, being on a, like a Mexican all inclusive. Yeah. That's like, I mean, that's basically what it is. And it's just basically for its look. I mean, it tastes, it's very sweet because it, Mm-hmm. orange juice and grenadine and then the tequila actually adds yeah. a nice flavor to it but mm-hmm. it was yeah it was basically it's basically just like a drink that they made they they talked about making it potentially in california um that they say that it was like oh yeah like these bartenders partied all night long at the bar that they were working at and then their boss came right. in in the morning and they were still yeah. there so they were like, oh, my God, we need to, like, have a drink and get into the day here. So they yeah. mixed a they mixed a tequila sunrise. But there's also yeah. things that, like, yeah, they say they made it in Mexico. But in 1939, um, cocktail writer Charles Baker offered a recipe that cited, a, like, a, called the Amarillo or Ama, Amelita. Really? The Amelita oh. Chico named for a popular Mexican Ooh. bullfighter at the time, for whom he created the following tequila sunrise sounding concoction, which had, it was tequila, lime, orange juice, grenadine, and some flowers in there as well. So, much like everything else, the Americans were like, hey, look what we made. <laughs> right, <laughs> we made yeah. it because we were hung- we were so hanged over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but in actual fact it, it's in a it's in a cocktail recipe by uh charles baker in 1939 oh, in mexico uh, you know it's a big it was a big popular drink then and people used to go uh and cross the border for it all the time 
because they were like, ooh, what's this? Especially during Prohibition because it was like they could go into Mexico and drink still. And thank God if you lived on the border of Mexico or Canada during Prohibition. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They were like, uh, you know, so they would go down there and then that was apparently a very popular drink in Mexico at the time. Uh, during the prohibition years because it was like fun and uh, mm-hmm. looks like a sunrise. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the that is the tequila sunrise. Cool. Well, I my only interesting fact on that was to not stir it. So <laughs> that was my interesting fact for the uh, <laughs> for the uh, tequila sunrise. Um, I have some other ones. I'm going back to school okay. though. So. Uh, Dita scalinophobia, that's definitely not how pronounced, is the acute fear of going to school, which affects about 2.4% of all children. (laughs) That rolls rolls right off the tongue, seamless. Oh, it does. You know what, Aiden, you have (laughs) dysmocalophobia. Aren't you so scared? traditional sort of in north america is you know september till june so you have two months off for uh summer fun and apparently there's something called the summer learning loss which is the equivalent of losing one month of school (laughs) so we're really not that great if we can even handle two months of school off um and hey here's a little life hack if you don't have an eraser uh, they used to use white bread to erase pencil markings. Oh my goodness! So yeah, there's my there's your facts, facts for the day. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness! Well, you know what? This was a this was a long, interesting podcast. <laughs> I, and I meant that sincerely. I said it, I said it with a little bit of tone in my voice, but I didn't mean it like. I felt like we learned a lot this uh, week, mm-hmm. and uh, from us to you, happy your kids going back to school and not being in your face day. Uh, teachers, yeah, you can have a tequila sunrise in the middle of the day. <laughs> teachers, we're sorry now they're mm-hmm. in your face, and we hope that um, we hope that you stay safe, and we hope the kids are yeah. safe, and we hope the mothers are drunk at home. So we do this uh, every week. We do it every Thursday. Please tune in and have a listen. Uh, Subscribe. Post. Click the bell. There's so many things. You guys, if you just comment on the the links, uh, we appreciate it so much. Um, It it makes such a difference in who sees the podcast. We have a website now. We're website gals. And that website is www.com lifepairingpodcast.com fun fact Carla did you know this mm-hmm. on what? our website there is a link to our Patreon oh. um, there's different levels there are three different levels with all kinds of different features uh, you can at the highest feature you get extra episodes you can ask us questions you can there's a bunch of different stuff there's different levels Back. The scene behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, some little bonus feature episodes that we've been doing that we mm-hmm. sneakily behind your backs. <laughs> <laughs> and what the Patreon does is that um, that just helps us uh, to continue uh, funding the podcast, sound gear, trips, uh, more interesting content for you, the listener. 
uh, we appreciate you so much. So please follow us on Instagram and uh, let us know uh, how your kids got back to school and what drink you immediately drank uh, afterwards. (laughs) We hope it was the tequila sunrise and we love you all so much. Catch you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you.